Hi, I'm Stacy. I love talking about how to know and live out God's callings in our lives, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in comfy armchairs. You can head to my website, stacysummero.com for more on discernment. That's S-T-A-C-E-Y-S-U-M-E-R-E-A-U.com. Hi, y'all. I am en route between New York and Virginia. I'm in Pennsylvania at my in-law's house. We're closing on our house tomorrow. We moved all our stuff today. So I just knew I had to make this episode happen. So here I am. <laughs> I wanted to tell you a really exciting announcement, which is that I started a Patreon page to help support my work with Called and Caffeinated. If you guys have been listening to the show regularly, you know I'm seeing some amazing things happen. I shared in the last episode that my dear friend is actually... Um, joining in full communion with the Catholic Church next year at Easter, which I'm so excited about as a result of listening to this podcast. And I've just loved bringing you this unique content so far about discernment, and I look forward to so much more. So if you can pledge $5 a month, I'm doing this awesome special until September 5th, I believe, two months from now. You have two months <laughs> to go ahead and head on over to it's www.patreon.com slash called and caffeinated, all one word, essentially. And uh, if you pledge $5 a month, you'll get an incredible t-shirt. So go ahead and check out the swag in my little corner of the interwebs. And, um, you know, if you can only give a little, that's okay. Whatever, whatever you can give to help support my ministry, I would just so appreciate it. At the end of the episode, please stick around because I'm going to sing my favorite, one of my favorite pieces of music of all time. If you have listened to none of my other recordings at the end of the episodes, please listen to this one. It's apropos to our conversation. It's the Franz Bibel Ave Maria. So let's get to our episode. I am so excited for this one. I love geeky Catholic stuff. <laughs> I love it. And my guest today is has that in spades. He is he has his masters from the Franciscan University of Steubenville. He is currently the director of evangelization for the Diocese of Venice, Florida, and he is also the founder of Firefall Ministries. So he has expertise in so many areas, and he's going to talk about the relationship of Mary and the Holy Spirit. And we get into so many cool cool things. For example, if you don't know what the quasi-incarnatus is, you're about to find out. Um, and as this relates to discernment, I'd say the biggest takeaway from this episode is our prayer life. How do we pray like the Blessed Mother if we were perfect and we discerned perfectly and we made every decision perfectly? How can we use her as our model and how can we learn to pray like Mary? So really, really good stuff. Honestly, there's so much great stuff packed in this episode that I don't want to waste any more time and let's just get right to it. Joshua, thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you for having me. Yeah. What are you drinking? Are you a black coffee guy or uh, something Right else? now, I'm actually, even though it is after three in the afternoon, I'm drinking another cup of Cuban espresso. Woohoo! Oh my, oh, you're an espresso person. That's intense. Yeah, it's, it's a mug of espresso too. It's not just a, it's not a shot. <laughs> I apologize for the late night and the headache you will have tomorrow. Oh, it'll be fine. I do it almost every day. Really? Well, you are very busy. Oh, yeah. You're a, you're a um, director of evangelization, which I can only imagine how much work that is. We do, uh, we do a few things, yeah. We do as much <laughs> as we can. Yes, yes. So what calls have you received from God in your life so far, and what have those calls looked and felt like? Well, I kind of think that my life has been um, 
So you, when you read scripture and you read the lives of some of the, the saints that God has called, I've identified with some of the abruptness sometimes. Mm. So we know that Paul was struck blind and then mm-hmm. boom, out of nowhere, had this massive call to go and do things. Uh, I grew up in a decently secular, you know, nominally Catholic family that pretty much just went to mass on Christmas and Easter, if mm. Easter. Mm-hmm. So, although we believed in God, and I never had any doubt of God's existence in my life, it was just kind of the brainwashing that you only needed to be, quote, unquote, uh, a good person. Mm. So, for me, it was kind of out of nowhere. You know, my life started going in a pretty secular direction, just, you know, your average, everyday, worldly things. And mm-hmm. I think it was just the mid-high school, end of high school, one day I couldn't stop thinking about Jesus. Hmm. And I needed to figure that out. It was like, I remember I was like, oh, I got to figure out this Jesus thing. Hmm. And I did a little church hopping and the the road through this conversion, I just had a lot of different, very, even physical, mystical experiences, uh, even wow. so far as to, uh, I ended up firmly planting in the Catholic church, but still I kind of did the teeter totter thing between the world and the church for about a year. Mm. And then after that year, I just got this other wake up call. I woke up one morning and I hadn't been to, I kind of fell off the wagon a little bit. I hadn't gone to mass in a few weeks and uh, I woke up and I remember saying out loud, I said, Oh, I need to go to mass. Three weeks has been long enough. And immediately after I said that, I got a text message from a friend that said, Hey, you need to go to mass. Three weeks has been long enough. Oh my gosh. Word for word. Yeah. Like these crazy kinds of things. So the Lord has just always been super abrupt. Mm. and very just he he hasn't let me doubt it we'll say that mm, uh that's the day after that yeah so i went to mass that day realized in my heart what was happening during communion and i hadn't been for three weeks so i couldn't receive so i just cried and mm. the next day i went to confession and forgot to mention one of my sins and then the priest started talking to me about that sin in detail so wow. he read my soul and then i was praying about where the lord wanted me to to work and where he wanted me to live so this is where my prayer life really got started. I'm mm. praying about like, where should I work and where should I live? Cause I was trying to, to build up this relationship with my parents and I, I wasn't feeling too fulfilled with my job. And I literally, this is the, the only time this has ever happened in my life. I heard the words go to Franciscan out loud, like audibly. Mm. So God's calls in my life have been pretty direct. Yeah. Uh, it's been everything from him just wanting to be, me to be fully in the faith to this overwhelming desire to study theology Mm. to going out and giving talks on the holy spirit and leading prayer groups uh and what it's felt like to me has really just been i don't know god calling me home like this Mm. is what i'm supposed to do uh this is what gives me peace i've had experiences of you know being on the poorer side and also being well off um, struggling to have things and then also having things come pretty easily. And I can say that if you have those things or not, it's never those things that makes you feel fulfilled, but it's always this really authentically living the faith. And I have experience on both sides and every facet. Mm-hmm. And it's always been that same thing. Wow. And that strengthens your speaking, I'm sure, because you are a speaking minister as well. Yeah, I, I like to draw a lot from uh, my personal experiences. Mm-hmm. And I get I get a little nerdy theologically, and sometimes I have to kind of pull that down depending on the audience. But I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
but yeah. then I'll share uh, the personal stories as well or as much yeah. as I can. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to do it. I, I I personally I really enjoy listening to speakers when I don't understand every single word, and I I really like that it stretches me and I have to go look up a word, and um and I, yeah. I, I really enjoy that. I do feel you know and maybe it's explained. You just explain everything really well, but um I notice in your presentations because I've stalked you a little bit on YouTube. If you can call it that, <laughs> um, you don't shy away from that that high church language, and I do love that because I think it it raises people up. It's it's um. It's its own form of education, you know, uh, just using these words kind of in the vernacular, like, you know, like they're common everyday words, and then you get used to them, and you really know what they mean, and they live in your heart. And so I I love that. Yeah. Cool. So one of your favorite topics is Mary and her relationship with the Holy Spirit, which is something that I have never heard talked about before. Um, But I did listen to a talk that you gave on it and I was absolutely fascinated. I feel like there's so much to talk about that it's, we're going to weave all over the place and it's fine. Um, But I wanted to kind of start with this, um, like we all know, we all know and love Mary, like primarily my listeners are people who are already Catholic we don't have to debate whether or not Mary is, you know, whether we worship Mary as Catholics, <laughs> but, um, uh, which obviously yeah. we don't, but really understanding who Mary is. You said something in one of your talks about how in Genesis three fifteen we hear the word enmity between you and the woman, you being the devil. Um, and that's kind of their relationship. They're in total opposition. So can you just tell me a little more about why, it, who, she, who she is and what that verse makes her? Well, Genesis 3.15 is called by the church, uh, called by Catholic theologians, the Proto-Evangelium, which means the first gospel. It's the good news spoken to us right from the beginning. It happens immediately after Adam and Eve fall in the garden. They fall into sin, and God gives the punishment, so he tells them, these are the effects, these are the difficulties, the pains of childbirth, the toiling in the field for your food. But then immediately after that, he gives the first good news. He says, but this is going to happen. And he gives a little uh, foreshadowing of how we're going to be saved. So the cool thing is that all the way from these first words of God telling us that we're going to be saved from this sinfulness, he mentions it happening through a woman, Mm. which then we call to mind the times that Jesus says to Mary, woman, you know, woman, behold your son. And then in the revelation, it talks about the woman clothed with the sun, uh, with the crown of 12 stars with the moon beneath her feet. Mm. So this word, um, we see clearly that Jesus connects it to Mary. So in Genesis 3.15 and also in Revelation, sometimes we try and interpret things like, could this mean the church or does it specifically mean Mary? But in Genesis 3.15, I think it's really clear because it talks about uh, putting enmity between the devil and the woman and between her seed and his seed. That kind of gives us a little bit of a roadmap. So if it's the woman and the devil, we have two creatures there. So the one that's put in opposition to Satan because he's he's not God on the bad side. He's a creature. He can only do what God allows him to do. Mm. So it's not fitting to say that the the devil is like the antagonist against God directly mm. because there's no comparison. That's God true. is God. He's infinite. So kind of the one on the opposing side would be Mary. And then the seed of Mary is Jesus and the seed of Satan is sin. So the direct opposition between sin would be God. But this word enmity means like a complete, total, radical opposition, not just we're not friendly with each other. 
So Mary has to be so completely separate from the devil to where if he is the most fallen and the most distorted and the most disordered and the most evil creature, then Mary would have to be the purest, the most beautiful, the most undefiled creature. Mm. So this, this kind of points to her, her immaculate conception, which we shouldn't think of as just her not having sin because it's just so much more than that. Her immaculate mm-hmm. conception is a holy, perfect, immaculately conceived event that kind of makes her into who she is. So I'm, I think we'll talk a little bit more about Mary and the Holy Spirit, but really the immaculate conception kind of happens from her being filled with the Holy Spirit from the very instant that she was created. Mm-hmm. And this all happens because from her conception, she has the vocation to become the mother of God. So the mm-hmm. graces she gets in her conception are, are given to her in view of that vocation. Mm-hmm. I've always thought of the imitation of Christ. You know, there's that very famous book, The Imitation of Christ. But would it be theologically yeah. correct to say also that we are called to the imitation of Mary? Since she is, oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. So I've I've heard her described as a model before. So you know, Mary is our model, but I've never heard of like the imitation of Mary necessarily. But in if you look and study her life, and you really sit with the the scriptures and what is said about her, um, you certainly in your talks really open up a lot of depth into how she prays, and she's certainly our model on how to pray because she is the only human being who has been immaculately conceived. So we can kind of look at her and say, what would my life be like if I was perfect? And if I could always perfectly unite my will with God. Um, and, and I think it's, it's, um, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful gift that we have these writings to, to meditate on because, um, we get very confused. I get very confused. And many of my listeners, this is a question that comes up over and over again. Many people just get very confused about how to hear God speak. You know, how, how are we going to hear him mm-hmm. in prayer? Um, and actually something just happened before we started recording, which I thought was um, a good illustration of this. Like <laughs> my husband and I, um, well, he just took my children out, God bless him, um, to the park so that you won't hear them playing and screaming in the background. <laughs> and as he was walking out the door, he looked at me and he said, I'm so glad we worked out. And I thought he meant in like the big sense of the word, like our relationship. And I was like, oh, thank you. And then I realized <laughs> he just meant like, because we, like we, we worked out together this morning. And I just thought about that, that as I was walking upstairs thinking about our interview, because I was like, wow, sometimes you can really twist yourself in knots thinking, okay, God is speaking, you know, do I interpret this this way? Is God speaking to me this mm. way? What is he really saying? And, and you're kind of looking for these signs and symbols and kind of trying to interpret it and you get very lost and confused. So with all that being said, in this confusion, we kind of have Mary as this model of how to pray. So can you just tell us like, how does Mary pray and how does she hear God's voice in prayer? How does she, um, how does she listen? And then how does she hear it and how does she act on it? Hmm. There are so many different ways I can approach this. Uh, <laughs> but some of the, there's just so much because Mary's spiritual life is so deep And it's a mystery to us, but at the same time, it's so profoundly simple. Mm -hmm. And in the spiritual life, that's the same thing. Mm -hmm. 
because as we penetrate into the mystery of God, it becomes more simple, more and more simple. It's really funny. I was talking about this recently. Uh, I used to, especially when studying, you know, higher level graduate and even some PhD level theology, you get into all of these really, this deep language. Mm-hmm. And now as I go to explain things like this to people, I find myself just giving the most simple answers. Mm. And I think that that's kind of indicative of this. So I think that'd be the first thing to look at Mary is she's just, she's so simple. Even look at what she says uh, at the wedding feast of Cana. She, she gives the perfect example right there of how to follow God. She literally just says, do whatever he tells you. Mm. So she has this profound simplicity. And I think that's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. approach God in a simple way, in simple terms. And this can be super practical too. So maybe if you're praying, ask simple yes or no questions mm. consistently so that you can start to, it really like prayer, it takes practice. And it's weird mm-hmm. to think about that. You have to really practice listening to God. Mm-hmm. But as you were saying, how does Mary give us this example and how does Mary pray? I think one of the good examples is at the Annunciation because the angel shows up to Mary and he says this crazy word to her, which is why she's confused. Maybe not confused, but it says that she was troubled at what kind of greeting this would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, hail full of grace. And what he says in Greek is kekeritomene, which is in the tense, the grammatical way that it's used it's called the perfect passive participle, hmm. which is used, I think, one other time in scripture, this word similarly. But this is the only time that it's used in this such a specific tense and used to refer to a person. Hmm. One, it was uncommon that an angel would refer to a person by title. That just didn't happen. He referred to them by their name. So Mary might have been a little thrown off by that as this really holy, humble Jewish girl that knew the scriptures backwards and forwards. Mm. But what he's saying to her in this, when he says, carry to many in this perfect passive participle, he's saying, hail to you. So it's a greeting. It's going from him to her. You who have been perfected by grace. So the word is kind of indicated, indicating that her being full of grace is an action that was done to her. And the action has already been completed. So it's not like, hail you who are getting filled with grace, Mm -hmm. or hail you who have grace in your life, but Mm -hmm. it's you who are perfectly filled with grace already. Mm -hmm. But she hears this, which that's kind of a crazy, crazy greeting. And it says she was troubled at what sort of greeting this might be. And notice that she doesn't answer right away. She sits and she thinks about it. Mm -hmm. So when we go to pray, like ask God a question and then listen read the scriptures and then listen and don't try and cut him off. You know, a lot of times I feel like when people are having conversations, I've heard that a lot of people listen to the other person's response so that they can then respond Absolutely. instead of listening, mm-hmm. instead of listening so that they can hear what's being said. Absolutely. And I think that I know that I do it all the time with God, even mm-hmm. to where I'll go and I'll sit there and listen so that I can then respond to him instead of listen so that he can speak to me. So Mary does that. She listens. She doesn't even respond. And then the angel starts telling her what's going to happen. You know, you're going to conceive and bear a son. He'll be called son of the most high. He'll sit on the throne of David, his father, like all these things. And and he starts to explain the message that was being said. Hmm. So it's this, what is God saying to me? And she meditates on it. And then he starts to give her the explanation. 
And then she still sits there so simply and she responds and, and her response is already coming from faith and she already believes it. Mm. But she says, um, how will this be since I know not man? She's not saying like, no, this is impossible. She's basically just indicating, you know, I have this vow that I've taken. She's not saying I haven't slept with somebody yet. That's what a lot of people interpret it as. At mm. this point, Mary's engaged. Legally in Jewish culture, she's married. Mm. So if an angel showed up and yeah, the marriage in, in the Jewish culture was a two part thing. So when they were betrothed, they were legally married. Ah, There's just the later part. So it wasn't just like, Hey, we're going to get married. He got down on one knee and, and put a ring on her finger. Like we do it today. Mm-hmm. They had gone through the first part of the legal process. So mm. there really wasn't a backing out except for a legitimate reason at this point. Mm. So if an angel showed up to somebody that's basically married and said, Hey, you're going to have a kid. The only reason that she would be confused by that is if she already knew that she wasn't going to consummate the wedding marriage. Mm. So Mary's just responding like, I know not man. So how will this be? Not like, Hey, how's this possible? Mm. She's just asking. And basically the question is, um, how is this going to happen in my life? So when God starts to give you an answer, you respond by saying, okay, like, where is this applicable? to me. So maybe if you're reading scripture, you're praying about things, you just want to get more specifically, well, first, what is God saying to me? Mm -hmm. And then how does it apply to me intimately, uniquely, Mm -hmm. instead of just in principle? And then the angel continues, you know, the the power of the most high will overshadow you, the Holy Spirit, you know, he gives her the details on how this is going to happen. And she responds with faith, let it be done to me according to your word. So we, we listen, we find out kind of how it is, how it's going to happen, and then we respond with a big amen, a big fiat, a big yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's that attitude of surrender, of um, just whatever God's will is, let it be done. And, and the true acceptance of that, because the, the consequences of that for Mary, I guess you said something that I've never heard before, which is, you know, that she was already married, but she had decided to not consummate the marriage, which I assume is kind of the roots of where we get the Josephite marriage from. Is that true? Yeah. And actually it wasn't too uncommon. I mean, it wasn't super common, but it wasn't unheard of. A lot of people today will try and make the argument that the Jews were a people that were constantly trying to have as many kids as they could because God was trying to expand his people, which is true. Absolutely. They were trying to have as many kids as they could, but there were different sects of Jews. And one of them was the Essene community. And it's so very possible that the Essene community was trying to live this eschatological, which means uh, like the life in heaven. Mm-hmm. They were kind of trying to live this life on earth. Mm-hmm. So there were people involved in these communities that were actually being celibate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It wasn't I'm... a huge percentage, but it, it was a... You know, there are other people besides just Mary and Joseph that did this. Interesting. Okay. And that was something that was just up to the couple to decide for themselves if they felt called or um, was there a purpose? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the Essenes were a pretty intense community. Mm. Uh, And I think it would probably be going a little too far into theology to really get into it in this podcast. But it's even possible that people like... It, it'll, it's even possible that people like John the Baptist were part of it. Actually, there are mm. some theologians that argue that John the Baptist was in this Essene community in which he would have vowed to never eat food made by other human hands. Wow. Or prepare food. There was this certain vow. And then maybe over some differences, 
probably about the resurrection and how the Messiah was to come, that he left the Essene community. And that is possibly why he was out in the wilderness only eating locusts and raw honey. Interesting. Hmm. So he was still holding that There was this, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, so it would have been a lifelong thing. So Mm. there were these communities that were trying to live in view of the life to come. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. There's, it makes me think about the, uh, the consecrated life and any celibate life where you, you vow to lifelong celibacy, you're already living out your heavenly, um, your heavenly state, basically, um, which yeah. is something that I didn't really realize until I started discerning religious life. And I was like, wow, that puts a whole new spin on things. I thought it was just kind of a thou shalt not, but it's, it's really yeah. already living out the image or what life will look like in heaven. Exactly. Wow. So Mary and Joseph, in doing something at least similar to this, are living out this heavenly vocation, you know, the call to live forever in heaven mm-hmm. in the context of a marriage. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the most fitting way for Jesus to come into this world. God comes into this world through this eschatological, this very heavenly way. Mm-hmm. When Mary then said yes to God, it would be understanding that she was having a child. She was already married. Um, however, then later in the scripture, doesn't it say that she was found to be with child and, and Joseph had the option to divorce her with that because they were in a known Josephite marriage. And so it was like, she, people thought that she, um, you know, was, was going behind his back and cheating on him. Yeah. So the interesting thing is that when it says that Joseph was a, it's a Joseph was a just man. And he sought to quietly divorce her. So basically, his options were either to follow the law, which would have been to have her stoned, Mm. or to incur some of the penalty himself. So Joseph was so thoroughly convinced that Mary's purity and innocence and her just being filled with the presence of God that he would have been baffled. He would have been like, there's no way that she cheated on me. There's no way that she was unfaithful. So he would have taken that, some of the blame himself and basically it would have destroyed his public reputation mm. to quietly divorce her. Um, but it was a way for him to try to live out the law and not get into some marriage because of what had happened, but probably while being just so confused. Mm. Interesting. But so it really would have been him having faith in her and knowing that she couldn't have done something like that. Wow. I'm learning so much. I love it. So as far as let's just steer back a little bit to prayer, you gave us some fantastic um, thoughts and uh, things about how Mary prayed. Um, and Lexio Divina is a, is a process that many people I'm sure have heard of, but can you just tell us um, for those who haven't heard about Lexio Divina, you just explain what that is and then also how did Mary do Lexio Divina and how can we imitate her? Yeah, actually that example that I gave from the Annunciation is pretty much Mary doing Lexio Divina. Awesome. But basically for us, what Lexio is, it's an ancient form, an ancient method for reading scripture in which you'll pick maybe a pericope, which is kind of like a paragraph, like one section you flip open your Bible and usually they're broken off into sections. Mm-hmm. It could be even one verse. It could be part of one verse. It could be a whole chapter. Usually something specific would be good. Like one, mm-hmm. one set thing that seems to focus 
just so that you can narrow in on something and you reread it. And it's going through this process of first really asking the question, you know, literally what is being said. So kind of like when the angel showed up to Mary and she kind of ponders, you know, what is this greeting? So it's like, what is God saying to me would be the first thing. And then you figure out through meditation and prayer and listening kind of what is being said there. And maybe for some of us that haven't studied as much theology, maybe a biblical commentary or even help from a friend could help Mm -hmm. you in that regard to know the literal sense, Mm -hmm. but then sit and meditate on that and really look for, there, there are steps to go through this, but I don't want to go through all the steps. I just want to give you kind of the principle of how you should approach it Great. to sit and wrestle with that. There's this Hebrew word, Haggai, which kind of means to chew on. And that's really what Mary would do. She would sit there and meditate kind of so much that it's like you're really chewing on this word. You know, Scott Hahn has this book, Consuming the Word. Mm. You want to really chew and meditate. It's almost where it's like you're muttering it to yourself because you're going over it so much and so much. Uh, And it kind of brings about this principle where Jesus said that from the fullness of the heart, speak the words of the mouth. Mm. So you're just kind of letting it ruminate inside of you so that then you're even speaking it. Watch this word kind of penetrate you because you're sitting with it so much that it just naturally starts to come out through your speech. Mm. So you want to really get that deep and sit with it and really pay attention, just open yourself up and then try and figure out what specifically is God trying to say to you Mm. with whatever verse or whatever it is. And then respond just like Mary did. When you find out what, how is God going to use this in your life or how it applies to you and then how he's going to do it in your life. And then just say, let it be done to me according to your word. Mm. And then find some principle in that scripture and, and claim it. You know, I always mm. say that the, the Bible is a book of promises and God wants you to pray like Mary. God wants you to pray like Abraham and Moses where you say, God, remember that time that you said this? And call to mind his promises and mm. claim them. Because he, it's not like you're calling him out like, oh, you got me. I got to do it now. Mm. He did it on purpose. He put those promises there so you would go and take them. Mm. He wants to give you those blessings. So it's not like you're, you know, pulling a fast one on God. Like, ah, oh, you said you promised this grace to me. He's like, hey, good. You found it. Here it is. <laughs> Yeah, that's really cool. I was actually reading Deuteronomy this morning. I'm slowly working my way through the Bible. And uh, right in there was uh, like, basically, I can't, I have to paraphrase, but it was basically like, if you are faithful, you will prosper. There's a lot of hope in that too. You know, it's, it's, um, it's not just sort of this, this, the answers are blowing in the wind. It's very concrete. Um, God wants you to know his will. He wants to speak to you. And I think it, it, points right back to that we have to be people of prayer. We have to really take the time to sit down and do this, not not just when we need God to give us an answer right now, not just when there's a crisis. And I think everyone knows this, but like it's been, it's been a challenge for me to truly carve out time for prayer, to do something that is not, um, you know, it, it's not practical. And when there's a lot of other things that practical things that need to get done, you can shove prayer aside but it's so important to be a person of prayer. Cause I notice when I do, you know, the times when I'm very faithful to, you know, taking a half hour every day to do Lexio Divina, 
I, I'm still thinking about it as I'm doing the dishes and then something occurs to me or, you know, I'm just cleaning the house or whatever and something comes to me and it's like, wow, that didn't happen right there in prayer, but it's living in me. It's like sitting in my bones and it's, you know, it's yeah. really, it's, it's, it's following me throughout my day. And you even mentioned too, yeah. I want to, I want to take a quick little side note. You mentioned about um, like aspirating the word, like it was the sound of Mary's greeting when you didn't mention this in this podcast, it was in one of your talks, but when Mary's greeting reached Elizabeth, it was her greeting that made St. John the Baptist leap for joy in her, in his mother's womb. Yeah. It's always cool when you stumble on those little grammatical intricacies mm-hmm. to where like there, for example, it doesn't just say that Mary showing up or the fact that at this point she was carrying the incarnate word. Mm-hmm. It, it, it does specifically say that it was from the sound of her greeting hmm. that John the Baptist slept for joy and, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I do think that it kind of follows that principle of the scripture that I mentioned, where Jesus is saying that from the fullness of the heart, speak the words of the mouth. So if Mary was, you know, tradition holds that she had the enunciation and she sat and meditated and pondered and prayed with this for three days before starting her journey. So she's sitting there just going over this word. <laughs> meditating Mm. and at this point she also has the word physically living in her Mm. so then she's making this journey she you know going over through the hill country into judea just as the old testament uses the same exact words to describe them carrying the ark of the covenant through the hill country and into judea so she comes to elizabeth as the new ark of the covenant carrying the high priest carrying the bread of life and then she's just so filled with this word that when she opens her mouth, basically what comes out is God's word. Wow. And that's really what happens to us as you, like you said, it kind of becomes part of you. I like how you said it's living in your bones. It made me Mm. think of uh, when prophecy is discussed uh, in Jeremiah, when he's saying that his bones felt like they started to burn if Mm. he held the word inside him. He couldn't hold the Lord's prophecy inside because it made his bones burn. Wow. When I am most in touch with who I am as a child of God, and I'm already living that life and, and participating in it in an active way, I, my decisions are so much easier. It just becomes clear what is God's will and what isn't just through knowing what his, you know, knowing what he, he wants for me because I'm listening to him. Oh, absolutely. It just brings you into line with God's will. Mm-hmm. And I think a couple of those things, one, it becomes easier in a natural way because mm-hmm. you're filling yourself with God's principles, mm-hmm. particularly like if we're talking about discernment, it's super important for people to get into the wisdom literature. So read the Psalms, read Proverbs, read wisdom, read Ecclesiastes, read mm-hmm. Song of Songs. Like those fill you with God's wisdom and wisdom is what helps us with discernment. So mm-hmm. we kind of know, you know, the wisdom of Solomon, knowing exactly how to advise all of the people you know the one thing that he prayed for is that he could be a good ruler was wisdom Mm. so getting filled with that helps us but also to remember that scripture is the anointed word of god Mm -hmm. you know in first timothy it says that all scripture is inspired by god and profitable for teaching reproof for correction instruction and justice that the man of god would be furnished for every good work so it's so important we remember that word inspired and i'm sure you heard me say this in some of my talks the word inspired is uh, from a Greek word, theonestros, which means God breathed, mm. you know, the breath of God, the spirit, all the words of scripture are anointed with the spirit. So 
so we come under that anointing and we start to become accustomed and acclimated to what it feels like to be in the presence of God, just as we should do so with uh, receiving the Eucharist and going to Eucharistic adoration. We learn what it feels like to be in the presence of God the Son. Mm. And then we read scripture and we come under this anointing and we know what it's like to walk in the Spirit. And that's what Mary did. Mm. Sorry, your insight into the quasi-incarnatus is really... Um, something I've never heard before. And, and I should have, because I know of St. Maximilian Colby, we hear about his talking about the Immaculata. Mary is the Immaculata, the Immaculate Conception. And, uh, but I've never heard quasi incarnatus. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's actually interesting because uh, I just taught a course on Mary and in my binder that I have right here, I grabbed my second class relic of Maximilian Colby. So I have him right here. Well, not, not him, here. this blanket. <laughs> okay. Maximilian Colby's blanket from the room he was arrested in. Wow. Which was very cool. Wow. But Maximilian, I love him, by the way. I, I love him so oh, much. He's amazing. I, did you ever watch? I'm sorry to, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just thinking about um, uh, St. Luke Productions, Leonardo DeFilippis. Not Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo yeah, yeah, actually, have you seen that? He uh, he came to a parish I was working at in Brooklyn, actually, and oh. put on the one man show about Max. Yeah. Yes, I've seen that one live, and then I've also I've seen a bunch of them live. He used to always come to the parishes in Virginia, and my parents would take me. But he does a movie on Saint Maximilian Colby, which I really loved as a child. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's it's you know he plays all the characters um, as usual, but it's in movie form. It's it's really. Wow. Worth checking out. Oh, yeah, I'll have to. Yeah, it was great when I saw the show. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> we were talking about the yeah. quasi-incarnatus. The quasi-incarnatus. So, um, Maximilian Kolbe, many people know him as the one that stood in for the person in the concentration camp, you know, mm-hmm. offered himself up so that he would die in a starvation bunker instead of one of the other prisoners or captives there. But really, he lived this remarkable life. Maximilian Colby, from a young age, wanted to be a soldier. He was very Catholic, but he wanted to be a soldier. And eventually entered into one of the pre-seminary, you know, like the young, you know, I think, you know, like high school age kind of seminary things. Mm-hmm. And when he was deciding whether or not he wanted to continue with religious studies or leave to be a soldier to protect his country, uh, his own mom actually showed up to the prep cemetery and talked to him about becoming a priest. So he entered the Franciscans and really devoted his whole early study to Mary and to the Holy Spirit. And then he founded this group called the Militia Immaculata after seeing the Freemasons do these demonstrations at the Vatican, you know, saying down with the Pope and down with the church and these horrendous things. Mm. So he kind of tapped into this understanding that the power to combat these things was the Marian consecration. And the reason was because of Mary's powerful union to the Holy Spirit. So he kind of meditated and sat with when Our Lady said at Lord's, I am the Immaculate Conception. So we're sitting here thinking about Mary isn't only immaculately conceived. She's saying that her identity is the Immaculate Conception. And he kind of came to this conclusion that, what does this mean? Uh, and a, a conception, like all of us, you know, we come forth from from two others and we're born into this world through this conception. And he kind of made the connection that 
that's the Holy Spirit that proceeds forth from the Father and the Son. So he's mm-hmm. this uncreated conception because he's eternal. And then he said, the Holy Spirit is undefiled, perfect, infinite. So he's the one that's truly immaculate. So he says that Mary takes the name of her spouse. It's fitting that Mary would take the name. The Holy Spirit is the uncreated immaculate conception. Mm-hmm. And Mary is the created immaculate conception. So it comes down to this very deep, intimate union between Mary and the Holy Spirit that from the moment of her conception, the immaculate conception isn't just God using grace to keep sin from her, but it's through this infilling of the Holy Spirit that makes her the person that's going to become the mother of God. Wow. And fast forward a little bit, the Holy Spirit overshadowing her. It's, um, we get into some theology. I don't know how much I can get into this, but basically, because this gets into some contemporary, it's called spirit Christology. But basically, we think, uh, just from our natural human disposition, we think of uh, conception happening through a mother and a father. Mm-hmm. And we know that Jesus has a father. It's the father, God the father. Mm-hmm. And then he has a mother, it's the Virgin Mary. So what is the Holy Spirit's role in this? Because it says Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't supply the paternal aspects of Jesus. God the Father does that. So the Holy Spirit is actually participating on the maternal side in a union to Mary. So it's the fatherhood is coming from God the Father and the motherhood is coming from Mary and the Spirit. Mm. They do this in, in one joint action. Maximilian actually says that the Holy Spirit and Mary live in such an intimate union that they're still two beings, but they have one soul life. Mm. And this is where he gets into this theology of the quasi incarnatus. He says, and he's really clear with it. So I need to give the the heresy disclaimer here. Uh, Mary is still a creature. She's not God. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit never becomes incarnate. Mm. And he clarifies this, but he says, Mary is so united to the Holy Spirit. She is so surrendered up to his will that they live in this one singular life to where the Holy Spirit only ever works through her Mm. and that her life is completely united to that of the Holy Spirit to where Mm. every single action, thought, and everything she does in union with the Holy Spirit. So although the Holy Spirit never becomes incarnate, if he did, it would look like her. So he calls her the quasi-incarnatus, which means the quasi-incarnation of the Holy Spirit, because they still stay as two beings, one creator and one creature, but they live in such an intimate union that we can't even comprehend it. Mm. Wow. That is... There's a lot. There's so much there. You just keep going and going and going. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, Wow. I have developed a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's just in my own life um, the last couple of years. And I've never really, didn't really grow up thinking too much about the Holy Spirit as more than a dove who's kind of this symbol. But, you know, as I've gotten older and I've started to realize, started to really tune into when the Holy Spirit is working in my life. And it just blows my mind Mm -hmm. that that's also Mary in all of that. She's she's right yeah. there in all of it. I mean, that's amazing. How um, how do they kind of accompany us through our prayer and through discernment? Like, what I guess on a practical level, what would you recommend 
people do to strengthen this relationship with Mary and the Holy Spirit kind of together? So one, I would say pick up the sword, which is the rosary, (laughs) and really pray it from the heart. Yeah, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. And the rosary is scripture on a string because you're praying (laughs) the words from scripture. Like all the prayers are scripture and you're meditating on scripture. Mm. So 18 of the 20 mysteries are Jesus's life directly. And some of those, the only information we have from them is from Mary. Mm. Like who else besides the angel was there for the annunciation? Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's in scripture that came from her. So we're asking to be filled with the Holy spirit. We're asking to be filled with the anointing of the Holy spirit and have Mary's intercession while they go with us as we meditate. Mm. And also even on a practical way, uh, one of the biggest things I remember a priest said to us, and I'd already really been trying to live my life in the spirit for a few years at this point. So it's kind of amazing that such a simple sentence changed me so much. But I remember this priest saying, the Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. Mm. And I think that little change of emphasis So, of course, say the formulated prayers to Mary. Say the formulated, written-down prayers to the Holy Spirit. Say things like, come Holy Spirit in your prayer, but talk to both of them heart to heart. Mm -hmm. So, don't just say, like, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Like, turn to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, and then have a conversation. Mm. And Mary, too. I always ask, and this is one of the big things, especially in talking about the interior life, because Mary is the master of the interior life for people. Of course, you know, when we look to Jesus, it's a little different because he is God. Of course, he's still fully man, but Mary's only human. So Mary Mm -hmm. can teach us how to very specifically live our own interior life. So I ask Mary all the time, like, Mary, teach me about the interior life. Teach me about prayer. Mm. And as we do that, you know, she draws us into the inner life of God. She teaches us of the mysteries and she brings us to Jesus. Particularly, you know, she'll bring us to the inspired word of God, which is the scriptures. Do you recall uh, Jacob's well, where it says, draw yes. the water and you'll not thirst again, or springs of water flowing up to eternal life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the church fathers interpret drawing water from that well as actually drawing the Holy Spirit from the scriptures. Mm. So we're filled with the spirit, which is this life-giving water that will help us to never thirst again. So, Mary wants us to be so filled up with God's presence that you ask her to teach you of the interior life, ask her to teach you how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and she'll show you. But Mm -hmm. sometimes it just takes that that personal emphasis. Yeah, yeah. I think removing this barrier of like, I don't know if I know how to pray. Am I doing it right? And just saying, teach me is such a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah which goes hand in hand with um, docility and openness, which you've said are just so important to hearing God's calls, which I think makes sense. But can you tell us a little bit why, why docility and openness are two of the qualities of Mary that we most need? Well, I would actually go as far as to say that docility to the Holy spirit is the single most important thing for the spiritual life. Mm. Because if you look at, you know, the Holy spirit is who, leads Mary Mm. and overshadows Mary. The Holy Spirit's the one that then is giving her her vocation as mother of God because she becomes mother of God through the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit gives her her vocation. And it was her openness and her willingness, which you could say is docility, her being willing to be moved by the Holy Spirit is what brought about her entire vocation. And it was even the same with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is who led Jesus into the desert to pray. The Holy Spirit enabled Jesus to go through those very specific temptations, which we don't have time to go over individually, but mm. mm-hmm. Jesus is tempted in against the threefold concupiscence, the three big things that all of us do, and is inspired by the Spirit to respond with the Word of God every time Jesus responds with quotes from Deuteronomy, every time when he's tempted in the desert. So the Spirit will lead you into the desert, the Spirit prohibited Paul from going into Asia. The Spirit whisked up Philip after he baptized the eunuch. The Spirit spoke directly to Peter. Mm. So all of these things, this docility to the Spirit leads you in your vocation. Mm. And Mary had that. She's this perfect example as a human for us to do this. But the Holy Spirit will sanctify you. Jesus says the Spirit will remind you of all that I've taught you. In First John 2, John's talking about the anointing that all of you have received that you would need that no man teach you for the anointing itself will teach you. So it's sanctified. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us and builds us with power. That's Mm. the thing. That's what I think everybody should probably take away from this is that prayer is not this passive thing. So Mm. we're docile to the spirit. So the spirit can fill us with power so that he can move this power through us. And you can't have that if you're trying to control it you become a conduit by being docile. Mm-hmm. And then your prayer becomes an actual power to where these signs will follow those who believe from Mark 16, that they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, they'll speak in new tongues, all of those things. Mm-hmm. So prayer is actually efficacious and people need to realize that, that you should pray and just like in the Psalms, um, expect the Lord, do manfully, let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. You mm-hmm. expect that it's going to happen. Wow. Jesus reminded the apostles of that so much. Whatever you pray in my name will be given to you that the Father will be glorified and your joy will be complete. Like those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Like it, it gives God glory to answer our prayers. Wow. So he, he set this all up on purpose. <laughs> yes. Actually, I was just reading as well this morning about the man who he cured from, uh, who was blind from birth. And mm. it was uh, his, I think his apostles said, was it him who sinned or was it his parents? And he said, it, he, did, he has no sin, neither does his parents. This was done, and I'm going to paraphrase this, this was done so that the glory of God may be revealed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, this, and then this applies not only for what we pray for ourselves, but what we pray for other people. So we think about the paralytic that was lowered through the roof. And Jesus mm-hmm. forgives a sin and heals him and says, uh, the faith of your friends has saved you. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't even have to be for us. You can pray all these things for other people and should and should expect to watch this stuff could happen. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I'm just going to, I think we just need to leave it right there. I'm, uh, yeah. wow. That's really, really good. I hope people, I hope a million hundred million people listen to this episode (laughs) (laughs) and you know it's becoming it's so clear throughout this whole episode that you yourself are a person who practices Lexio Divina you can quote the Bible backwards and forwards and I don't mean that in like a you know wow I mean it is it's very impressive but it just it's just indicative of your 
um, your own deep spiritual life. And if, if you don't mind yeah. my asking, how do you get to the point where you can just quote stri- scripture offhand? Because I sure as heck can't. <laughs> Admittedly, some of those are scriptures that are constant go-tos for talk. Okay. So the Timothy one uh, and a few others like that uh, are, and you know, Genesis 3.15 and, and from Timothy and some of those are that I have to revisit frequently. Uh, other ones are some like the one from Psalm. I don't know if it's 25 or 26 because I read the Dewey Reams and the numbering of the Psalms is different. So I always get it mixed up, which one's the new American or the RSV mm. and which one's the Dewey. Um, but that's those, some of those are some that I just personally have a devotion with and have mm. stuck with me. Um, but also being entirely brutally honest here, if we were outside of this podcast, I would not be able to call those to mind like that. Mm. It's, um, it really, as I said earlier, it comes yeah. down to making that personal shift in acknowledging the Spirit as a person and allowing yourself to come under the anointing of the Holy Spirit every day. Mm-hmm. So then the Spirit Himself will teach you and the Spirit will remind you of all things that I've said. So a lot of those quotes kind of just felt like they came out of me. Wow. And I know that if I was just trying to do so, in my everyday life, they probably wouldn't just be sitting there in my mind. Right. And that's really how the Holy Spirit works. So also it's humbling because it flat out tells you, this isn't from me. This is from the Lord because I can't do this regularly. Mm. And he will really equip you to do what he's calling you to. That being said, you will also remember them more if you go through it with more frequency. Like I don't read scripture to try and memorize it. Actually, some of them, because some of the verses are important. We should be able to use them for apologetics. Mm -hmm. But if you really pray with it, Mm -hmm. uh, I notice that if my prayer life is better, and if I'm doing more praise and worship and I'm praying the rosary and, and I'm in a state of grace and all those kinds of things, Scripture will just come out more mm. than so it could be. I could actually go a certain amount of time without reading as much scripture as I should be. But if my prayer life is better and I'm getting filled with the Holy Spirit, it follows that same principle that Jesus said, "From the abundance of your heart, speak the words of your mouth." Well, if you want to speak scripture over your life, where do you have to get it? Lend your heart, mm. just like Mary did. So. Mm-hmm. It's the beautiful thing. You do Lexio Divina and you get the word into your heart and you, it becomes part of you, like you said, in your bones and you meditate on it and it fills up to the abundance and then it comes out of your mouth. And then when it comes out of your mouth, well, you're hearing it again. You know, faith mm-hmm. comes by hearing and hearing by the preaching of Christ. So you're hearing this again. It increases your faith and gets into your heart more. And it becomes this beautiful cycle of blessing. It's like a blessing machine. I love that. I'm, my jaw's on the floor over here in upstate New York. That was, <laughs> I did not know the answer was going to come out of you. That is so cool. Um, stuff like this, like the nerdy Catholic stuff gets me so excited. And yeah, I just I love know, it too. yeah, I just know everyone is going to love it. So thank you so much. And, and no, you know, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Have a wonderful day, man. That was incredible. If you enjoyed it as much as I did, you can head on over to iTunes and write a review. I would so appreciate it, and it really will help get exposure for the podcast to people who have not yet heard of Called and Caffeinated. You can also head to my website, stacysummerow.com, where you can subscribe to get every episode in your inbox for free. 
And don't forget about Patreon. And also you can find me on Instagram at Stacey Summerow. I want to thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a blessed two weeks. Please pray for my transition to Virginia. It's coming right up. There's no stopping it now. This train is moving. So just pray that we get moved in and get settled smoothly. And now let's move on to the Franz Bibel Ave Maria. This is my favorite Ave Maria, as I mentioned, and this is not going to be the full version tonight because I don't have that recorded. I was only able to do the first third of it, but it's basically the Angelus set to music. So I hope you enjoy. I hope you are able to meditate to it. Um, so listen out for the Hail Mary. And the introduction says, The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then we have the Hail Mary following it. So enjoy. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Angelus Domini,